Vengeance. Jonathan Fontaine swore it in the smoking remains of his homestead over the charred, mutilated body of his young daughter. He had gone east to mourn, but now he was back in Arizona with a specially equipped rifle, and he had a fresh lead on the Indian who had worn a necklace of human fingers and the iron shirt. Welcome to this speed listen installment of the Six Gun Justice podcast, featuring everything you need to know about the enigma of John Whitlatch, one of the most obscure and inscrutable Western scribes to ever appear in the ranks of paperback originals. I'm Paul Bishop. My compadre Richard Prosh and I co-host the full-length episodes of the Six Gun Justice podcast, but ride solo for our own speed listen bonus installments. John Whitlatch is an author whose name pops up occasionally within men's adventure series genre circles. Between 1969 and 1976, he wrote 11 action novels and then disappeared into the gloaming that hides the Valhalla of midlist writers. His work has never been reprinted, possibly due to the way his family felt about his books. While only two of his works, Iron Shirt and Shootout at Dawn, are westerns, I consider at least a half a dozen more, Gannon's Vendetta, Gannon's Line, Morgan's Rebellion, Morgan's Assassin, Stuntman's Holiday, and Corey's Losers to be modern neo-westerns of the First Order. For those who know about them, the Whitlatch paperback originals are extremely collectible, but not just for the stories themselves. The Whitlatch paperbacks were published with a series of stunning covers, lurid and garish. They featured outlaw bikers, babes in jeopardy, and tough heroes out for revenge. The covers of Whitlatch's novels could just as easily have graced the covers of any of the men's adventure magazines of the day, and there has never been another series of paperback covers created to rival them. To make those stunning covers even more collectible is the artist who painted them, Norm Eastman and Mel Carrere, two of the most revered of all men's adventure magazine artists. If you're keeping score, Eastman painted the covers for Gannon's Vendetta, Lafitte's Legacy, Tanner's Lemming, Frank Key's Plan, The Judas Goat, and Morgan's Rebellion, while Mel Carrere painted Morgan's Assassin, Stuntman's Holiday, and Corey's Losers. The presence of Men's Adventure Magazine's top model, Steve Holland, the face that launched a thousand paperbacks, on several of the covers also adds another layer of niche collectability. Unfortunately, Whitlatch's last novel, Gannon's Line, did not receive a similar instantly collectible cover. Instead, even though the small central illustration was by the great Robert McGuire, the cover design itself was generic and instantly forgettable. While the covers of Whitlatch's books are often the catalyst for men's adventure readers to buy and collect them, the writing between the covers is uniformly terrific. They are, however, definitely in sync with the attitudes and mores of the time period in which they were written. Whitlatch is hardly politically correct by today's standards. He was not a fan of hippies, anti-Vietnam protesters, or other counterculture radicals. But he wore his madman-style male chauvinism proudly, if misanthropically. But despite this lack of pandering to the woke generation, who would loathe these books, Whitlash definitely knew how to write a rousing adventure. His tales of everyday guys caught up in deadly circumstances never fail to thrill. A typical Whitlatch hero is a man pushed beyond the reasonable boundaries of civilization was forced to find a core of inner strength to overcome overwhelming odds. 
In other words, a whitlatch hero is a guy you can unabashedly root for as he takes on outlaw motorcycle gangs, voodoo cults, tinpot Latin dictators, sadistic Japanese troops in the Pacific theater, renegade Indians, and other megalomaniacal villains. Whitlatch's novels are straightforward contemporary actioneers. Even when writing a western such as Iron Shirt or his World War II thriller The Judas Goat, the narratives are straight out of the men's adventure genre. At least three of his novels, Morgan's Rebellion, 1969, Gannon's Vendetta, 1969, and Lafitte's Legacy, 1971, appear prior to publication in condensed versions billed as bonus books in the popular men's adventure magazine, Man. The issues of Man, featuring the condensed bonus book versions of Whitlatch's novels, are important to completists because each of the stories is accompanied by a two-page spread illustration, which are the works of another of the greatest men's adventure magazine artists, Bruce Minnie. For those who are continuing to keep score, Whitlatch's stories, both in paperback and in the men's adventure magazines, had cover art or two-page illustrations by Norm Eastman, Mel Carrere, Bruce Minnie, and Robert McGuire. When it comes to paperback cover art, there are a number of other great illustrators. Gil Cohen, Norm Sanders, Robert McGinnis, and Samuel Pollan, to name a few. But to have four of those eight appearing on your work is mind-blowing. I don't know of any other fiction author who could match that lineup. Whitlatch was a rare breed. His stories are full of action, but written with an element of authenticity uncommon in men's adventure novels. As noted earlier, his heroes are not supermen, but rugged individuals who courageously face their fears, refusing to give up even when faced with impossible odds and fearsome villains, some of whom rank among the most vile in the genre. Far from being a one-trick pony, Wetlatch's stories ran the gamut from action-adventure to westerns. They also include his World War II novel, The Judas Goat, which I expected to read like a poor man's dirty dozen. However, as a writer, Whitlatch always defies expectations filling the Judas Goat with well-developed characters and believable motivations. The novel's rich storyline is reminiscent and as emotionally raw as James Jones's Thin Red Line. Whitlatch's only true western, Iron Shirt, was published in 1970. At the top of the show, I read the back cover blur, which presents the story as a typical revenge western with a determined hero up against a deadly Indian wearing what can only be described as an early version of a bulletproof vest. Only his is also knife-proof and lance-proof and arrow-proof. This could have been a standard Western, but Whitlatch again takes the traditional tropes and presents them from an unexpected perspective, with his villain being as human as his hero. While Iron Shirt is Whitlatch's only traditional Western, I'll talk about his nonfiction Western later, any number of his other novels are Westerns at their heart. My introduction to Whitlatch originally came through his second published title, Morgan's Rebellion. This was a great adventure tale. The all-American everyman Jamie Morgan finds himself falsely imprisoned in Central America. Desperate and alone, he takes it upon himself to escape, rally the scattered rebel forces, and overthrow the corrupt regime in order to get his life back and revenge on his wife and business partner. This was great stuff. Morgan was a cool character, with his archery background and his righteous American indignation. The sequel, Morgan's Assassins, was equally as much fun and equally Western-flavored. In Whitlatch's first book, Gannon's Vendetta, an outlaw motorcycle gang on hopped-up Harleys rape Gannon's wife, torch his house, and then, after working him over, dump him in the desert to die. It's the same setup as so many westerns where the men working for a cattle baron tear up a town and terrorize the sheriff and his family. There is definitely a parallel to Valdez's coming as Gannon agonizingly survives the ordeal in the desert before hunting the vicious pack of bikers deep into Mexico. 
and to steal a brilliant line of dialogue, he brings hell with him. While other Whitlatch novels, such as Frank T.'s Plan and Corey's Losers, follow a similar traditional Western plotline set in more modern surroundings, Stuntman's Holiday, featuring full-blooded Apache Max Besh, is definitely a Western in its sensibilities. When Besh is robbed and his nubile companion kidnapped, the bad guys elude the police and cross the border into Mexico. Any regular reader of Westerns or men's adventure stories knows what's coming next, when the very angry Apache determines nothing will stop him from getting his money and his woman back in that order. For many years, Whitlatch remained a total enigma. When asked about him, regular genre resources and gurus were forced to shrug their shoulders and admit their mystification at the lack of information. Usually, this little information about an author would indicate the use of a house-owned pseudonym, with a number of authors penning the tales. But this was not the case with Whitlatch. Having read all 11 novels, the distinctive tempo and sentence structure make it clear they were written by the same person. About 20 years or more ago, I tried tracking Whitlatch through his publisher. I was put in touch with his agent, who informed me that Whitlatch was deceased. He did, however, provide me with a contact number for Whitlatch's family warning me they would probably not want to be interviewed. I eventually made contact with Whitlatch's sister in Arizona, but while polite, she refused to impart any information. A strange situation, especially coupled with a tidbit from mystery historian Al Huben, which noted there had been no copyright renewals on Whitlatch's titles. This raised the odd possibility of Whitlatch or his work being seen as an embarrassment to his family. This is bolstered by a recent check of census records, which revealed his father was a clergyman, while not pornographic by any stretch, I highly doubt the subject matter of his novels endeared Whitlatch to his father. This also could account for further recent revelations that indicate a state of estrangement between Whitlatch and his extended family. Several years ago, I wrote about Whitlatch in a Forgotten Books post on my blog. Several months after my post bemoaning the complete lack of information about John Whitlatch beyond his novels and those lurid covers, I received a surprise email it was from Bob Miller, a friend and former co-worker of Whitlatch's, who had somehow come across my original Whitlatch post. He offered to share information about the elusive author, whom he stated was a down-to-earth nice guy with a good sense of humor. I immediately scrambled to dial the provided phone number and quickly found myself chatting with my informant. Bob Miller told me he worked with Whitlatch in the 1960s when they were both claims adjusters for an insurance company working out of an office on Gower Street in Hollywood. Bob was an ardent reader of Whitlatch's novels, and the two remained friends until Whitlatch died in the early 80s. Apparently, Whitlatch was a force in the insurance business. He eventually became the head claims adjuster for Allstate Insurance, working out of the company's headquarters on Wilshire Boulevard in Los Angeles. Reportedly, he had a large framed picture of the Allstate headquarters building in Chicago hung on the wall behind his desk. The picture had a hand-drawn arrow pointing to one specific window in the building which Whitlatch claimed was the office of the idiot I work for. While working as a claims adjuster, Whitlatch also attempted to branch out into private business. For several years, he operated self-service laundry on Ventura Boulevard in the San Fernando Valley with his wife, Geraldine. However, the business was forced into bankruptcy when long-term street repairs closed easy access to the building. Crippled with a bad limp since childhood, Whitlatch didn't let his physical infirmities keep him down. Miller remembers Whitlatch's visits to the ranch where Miller's father-in-law trained and bred horses. Whitlatch always managed to get around and showed an interest in everything. During the time of his visits to the stables, Whitlatch began writing spec movie scripts. 
Miller's father-in-law had contacts in the movie industry through several of the horse owners from whom he bred and trained. He allowed Whitlatch access to those contacts, and while Whitlatch never sold a script, he received encouragement and praise for his writing. On one stable visit, Whitlatch witnessed Miller's father-in-law putting Vic's vapor rub in a mare's nose in order to get her to accept a foal that wasn't hers. The Vicks worked to distort the mare's olfactory senses so she couldn't tell the foal wasn't her own. Whitlatch was later to use the scene in one of his novels. A perfectionist when it came to insurance work, Whitlatch was a taskmaster, never letting correspondence or reports leave the office until they were letter perfect. But while he found insurance work financially rewarding, he longed to quit and write full time. Miller remembers a day Whitlatch called him full of excitement. He had just sold his first two novels to Pocket Books, who planned to publish them simultaneously, a first for the publishing house. Whitlatch eventually quit Allstate to pursue his writing career. He had a number of other novels published, but there was bad news on the horizon. Two years later, Miller received a phone call from his friend. Whitlatch told Miller he had been diagnosed with a brain tumor and had been given six months to two years to live. Whitlatch's final book, Shootout at Dawn, was a nonfiction western, an account of the deadly events at a remote southern Arizona cabin in 1918. The book was written with Tom Power, one of the survivors of the clash. Whitlash died shortly after it was published by Phoenix Books in 1981. From other sources, it appears Whitlash's wife died sometime around 2005. The couple had no children. While Whitlash will most likely remain a cipher, his legacy has given us 11 remarkable action novels, any one of which I can recommend. Thanks for listening to this bonus Speed Listen installment of the Six Gun Justice podcast. Remember to check out our website at www.sixgunjustice.com for regularly updated reviews, articles, and interviews from the best of the Western wordslingers. You can also email your questions or comments to sixgunjusticewesterns at gmail.com. Full-length episodes of the Six Gun Justice podcast, Six Gun Justice Speed Listens, and Six Gun Justice Conversations are available on all streaming platforms. Until next time, keep safe and stay healthy. Be kind to yourself. Be kind to others. Wash your hands regularly. Keep your fingers away from your face. Keep your coonskin hat on tight and wear your mask. Adios. I'm out of here. Let's ride.